Hawaii is a powerful place. And the first thing I did was visit a volcano site. So pretty much I should have known <laughs> what was coming. But anyway, I got extremely triggered by something on that trip. Extremely. And I kept coming back to my practice and I kept getting triggered again. And I kept coming back to my practice and I kept getting triggered again. And everything that I tried, like all my tools were not really working. So I knew I had to step outside and I stepped out onto the balcony and I thought, okay, I'm gonna try this. And I literally had no faith about it. And I say, okay, I'm gonna feel. And I felt angry and I started to feel go of anger and I let this volcano move through me. This is Aliveness, the show that explores how to create the changes you need to make to experience the sense of aliveness you're longing for and how the power of plant medicine can accelerate that process for you. I'm your host, Allison Crossweight, a guide and former psychotherapist here to empower you to break out of your old patterns, shift into a new state of being, and ignite your aliveness. The journey from trauma to presence. Today, I'm going to tell you a personal story about how understand trauma and trauma healing and what the journey can look like. So to review things that we talked about in other episodes, trauma is essentially separation. When something happens that we cannot feel and don't have the capacity to feel and witness in the moment, we split off. So we can't feel it and we might dissociate. And this this pattern of dissociation becomes a pattern in our nervous system that takes place even when we are, say, grown up or something's not actually threatening us or traumatic in the moment, but our body and our, our system takes it as traumatic because we have patterning now in our nervous system as to how we handle these events. Now, remember that we don't all have the same response to the same event, and we don't have a constant response to events over time. We're much more impressionable when we're very young. So while we tend to say trauma is a set of big things, Actually, trauma can be anything that is overwhelming to our system in the moment. And when we have experienced a lot of trauma and not had a place to process that, smaller things can continue to be, so-called smaller things can continue to be experienced as very traumatic and trigger us into traumatized states. Traumatized states are anything that is we are not present not fully present. So that's like everything. That's either hyper-aroused or hypo-aroused. Fight or flight, play dead, fawn, that's the people-pleasing side, 
all the addictions, anxiety, depression, reactivity, dissociation, numbing out, distractions, all of these things are traumatic reactions. They're us not able to be present with our life force energy in our bodies. And trauma has become normalized. So even in trauma theory, we talk about the window of tolerance, that we nourish our nervous systems to be within a window of tolerance that we can be present. But even in this window of tolerance, we are filled with guilt and overwhelm and worry and insecurity. And this is so-called normal. In fact, once you start to see it, most people live in a traumatized state all the time, feeling there's something they should be doing or should not be doing, worrying about whether they are liked or safe or whether things are going to be okay. All of this is a place of insufficiency that we are scared out of ourselves by the way that our culture is constructed, it's inherent and it's become completely normalized to feel this way. And it's not actually necessary. There is so much that can be done, but it does become normalized. So I used to feel insecure all the time, huge shame all the time to the point where I, I could barely put words to it. A lot of addictive behaviors, wine, alcohol, food, binge watching television. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things inherently in moderation, but they were ways of completely escaping. I found it very difficult to be present and thus I wouldn't make grounded choices or build relationships that had trust and intimacy, whether personally or professionally. So that was how I started my healing journey. Most of the time, not present. Most of the time, insecure. And as I did a ton of work on myself, a ton of therapy, a ton of medicine work, I came more into the window of tolerance. And there's an episode later in this season that I'm going to talk about anxiety and how much work I was actually able to do on my anxiety. And this, this is amazing. And, of course, there's always still more. And the story I'm going to tell today is really about the layers that over time we can come to grapple with in ourselves, that this is a process that really does take time. So for example, when I was early in my therapy journey, expressing anger directly on my own behalf, I could, I could snap at people that I loved, but I couldn't say I'm angry. So that was a huge journey to realize anger isn't bad and to really be able to express my own and withstand others. Because at the beginning of my journey and some of the group therapy work I did, I found others' anger 
very, very unsettling. So note that there are steps here along the path, and nobody's path is the same as anybody else's path. But what I'm going to talk about today is a result of years of steps. And I know that in a few years, I'll have something new to share with you, that, that, that there are layers and layers and layers. Well, this was a very big realization and a culmination of a lot. So I also want to set the stage for this story that at this time in my life, I have quite a steady daily practice. And I call it a practice of prayer. It's silent prayer. And it's for half an hour, an hour, sometimes more every day. There is an ability to be steady with myself that I never had before. And this is really important. The form is not important, but the fact of a contemplative practice is important. The fact that it exists, because this is what lets us know when we're off, because we have the regular experience of being settled. So the context for the story I'm going to tell you, and one of the many reasons why I was able to have this experience working with a trauma trigger was because I had such a steadiness in myself. So I went to Hawaii to a retreat led by Eckhart Tolle and his wife, Kim Ang, in November of this year, last year, actually, 2022. And getting there... My flight had been delayed by 36 hours, so I did eventually get there, but it had been a long go, and I really saw my steadiness as I got there. Even though I was in you know, airport lounges and this and that, I would still dial into those 30-minute Zoom silent prayer calls that I do every day. Put on my headphones, just breathe and be silent. That Whatever was happening, I was still able to find that rudder. And that was new for me. That there was a consistent rudder that, was, that ran deep. And that, yes, every time I found out my flight was another six hours delayed, I'd be like, ah. But much easier to find the steadiness. Much easier. And so I had this idea. I mean... Maui, Eckhart Tolle, it's like presence, oh my gosh, bliss, one of the most beautiful locations in the world, so powerful, this and that. Sort of had a set of expectations going in, and uh, my path is uh, definitely a medicine path. I mean, I think all human beings have this experience, but I have it in spades of Allison Dope try to control anything. You live by the cycles of nature and Hawaii is a powerful place. And the first thing I did was visit a volcano site. So pretty much I should have known <laughs> what was coming. But anyway, I got extremely triggered by something on that trip. Extremely. And I kept coming back to my practice and I kept getting triggered again. And I kept coming back to my practice. And I kept getting triggered again. And everything that I tried, like all my tools, were not really working. I could see that I was out of the zone of tolerance, 
we had a yoga movement practice with Kim Ang, and she had us massaging each other's shoulders. And I was doing my practice, and there was a man on the mat, two mats over from me that I didn't know. And it was time to do the massaging. And I didn't want him to touch me, and I couldn't say it. And a woman stepped in. She could see what was happening. She, another woman stepped in, and they did the practice together. And I was crying. And I knew that I was outside the zone. And I wasn't even exactly sure what it put me so far outside the zone, honestly. But that was a sign. Because usually I can say, not today. Well, usually, actually, I can have physical touch with people. But I was unable to, and I was unable to speak for myself. So I knew I was in this kind of freeze place. And there was a lot of tears, and I really didn't understand it. But I just kept staying with it, kept getting these signs. You're, you're out of the zone of tolerance, so all you can do is stay with it. Kept getting triggered, tried to, like, have fun at the beach. It would be okay, and then i get triggered again. I was really having and this is in an environment of powerful teachings from Eckhart. So, you know, I go to a teaching and this is like a transmission of truth that I am metabolizing and I'm regaining stabilization. And then I'm getting triggered again. Like it was a wild ride with bigger waves than I was used to because in my normal life, even just listening to a teaching by Eckhart or someone else who that I find supportive in my journey will bring me back to center. And literally being in a room with a thousand people listening to him was not bringing me back to center enough to steady me. So it was really hard. And on the left, but I did stay with it. To my credit, I stayed with myself. I just trusted. I've been brought this far. I was called to this, this event. And I'll say this. Eckhart on his own, I mean, I love his teachings. He's, I think he's a very talented teacher and has a lot to offer. And for someone like myself, who has so much juicy, fiery energy and also so much trauma, I can perceive him sometimes as gaslighting because there's this inherent stillness in him that I can't mirror and... There's more to work through in the moment for me. I, you know, here's an analysis to help you kind of see how I see it. I'm not saying this is true, but I feel like his tendencies are more schizoid. And so for him, emotional access probably comes a little harder than it comes for me. And so when I go into the present, there is often like excitement, passion, sexual energy, sadness, anger, restlessness, like I don't have to look too hard for sensation. And I get the sense that's not where he lives, that he lives in a more cerebral place than I do. And neither is better or worse. It's just a very different energy system, right? So I connect more with his wife, actually. And without his wife, for me, the teachings would have been really disorienting that week and incomplete. Because it's not that he says anything that I think is wrong. It's just that he doesn't have the same experience, whereas she does have a more traumatic past and, as far as I can see, a more fiery energy system. And so what she talks about is feeling the emotion 
all the way through in the moment. So I had gone to a number of her teachings where she had really, especially in some question and response sessions, really encouraged people to do that work of allowing the emotion of once you feel it, so say you're feeling anger, let go of the label anger and let go of the idea it will ever end and let it go all the way through. We tend to try to get rid of anxiety, but if you listen to this podcast, I'm guessing you intuit that there is more to your anxiety than simply a problem to get rid of. Growing Through Anxiety, a 28-day listening journey, is an audio course plus supportive workbook that guides you in listening to the wisdom contained in your anxiety and releasing the anxiety as you transform it into new shifts in your life. The listening journey provides structured support so you can connect to yourself, what you think, what you feel, and who you are. As you listen and reflect daily, you will connect to your aliveness, your juice, truths become clear. You become present and able to enjoy the life that you have and make any changes that your being is asking you to make. Listening to yourself and releasing anxiety supports you in enjoying all that you have and all that is to come, and also incorporating the deep wisdom of your being into all your decisions. I invite you to participate in this daily practice. You can find the link to sign up for the course in the show notes. And I thought, yeah, you know, that really is the work. And that's not a bypassing kind of thing. That's a real thing. And for many of us, that takes quite some time. I mean, that that takes years. So, so to come to a place of stillness is one thing. And it's not necessarily the goal. And it also, we honor ourselves exactly where we're at. Like we each have a completely different path and not where nobody's further or behind, but it's not like that. And so I really was able to conceptualize things really well with her. And on the last day, I was so triggered. I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I thought I was going to die. I sat down in the final talk and I was sobbing, like sobbing. I could feel myself sobbing so far out of the zone of tolerance. I was so triggered. And I was alternatively sobbing and furious. And it was very easy to go into a kind of blame and attack about what I was triggered about. And I knew this was mine. Like I knew this was mine and my opportunity. And I literally, to, 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 hold it differently because I had invested so much of myself to come all the way to Hawaii on like upteen Delta flights and, you know, money that, that, you know, I didn't have sitting in the bank account. And like there, there was, had been such a propulsion to do this that I knew there had to be a reason for me, like a generativity to this that wasn't just like, oh, that was terrible because I got triggered. Like that would have been the old way of seeing it. So I knew I had to step outside and I stepped out onto the balcony and I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. And I literally had no faith about it. I feel like I have spent my life handling my triggers 
I've spent my life and I finally got to a place where I generally live in the window of tolerance. And I do not have the experience of being able to shift my triggers in the moment. I don't have that experience. I have the experience of my triggers are too big. I have to sleep it off. And sometimes I have a glass of wine to numb the feeling, but I do not have the experience of being able to shift it in the moment. And I thought, okay, well, I'm here. And I've literally been handed a guidebook by somebody who I can see has walked this terrain. And that the contemplative practices that I've been working on, this should, this, you know, should is the wrong word, but I'm well set up here. I have a presence with myself I've never had before. So I get to choose if I maybe have faith that this time could be different. Because I've clearly been brought here and consistently triggered up the wazoo in a way that I didn't think was possible to be triggered anymore. (sighs) Humbling, I will say. This path is humbling. And anybody that tells you that they're not still dealing with the reality of being a human being, I personally don't trust them as my teacher because life is a humbling, exquisite, and also very challenging endeavor. And so I go outside to this like little balcony beside the room where it's not that little, but anyway, into this like foyer balcony that happens to overlook the ocean. And I say, okay, I'm going to feel it all the way. And I felt angry. And I started to feel angry. And I let go of anger. And I let this volcano move through me. I said, this may never end. Like, I may die here. Which I know doesn't make logical sense. And I let it move through me. And I almost barfed over the balcony. Like it was horrible. It was awful. It was explosive and terrifying and reminded me of some of my experiences on 5-MEO, quite frankly. Like I could feel that level of life and death energy being activated. And I felt my feet on the floor and I was blind rage while running it consciously, not out of control, allowing it to move for its own sake through my body up and out. And there were a few waves, volcanic. I surrendered to it. And then I was present. I was present. And the trigger was gone. I could see straight. It wasn't that I liked the scenario, but I could see straight. I was myself again. The volcano had erupted and it was done. And in that moment, I felt this incredible freedom. And as I've integrated this experience over time, I can see so many components, that contemplative practice that allowed me to see when I was outside of the zone, the self-compassion that allowed me to love myself even when I was not being my best. And in fact, I was being my worst. 
understanding the context for that, the emotional work of allowing myself to be angry, the medicine work and the sexual energy work that opened up the pathways, the physical pathways for me to feel the anger because it gets conditioned out of us. And so we can't just say, well, I'm going to feel anger. For most of us, that's not possible because it has literally, before we even have memories, been conditioned out of us in our fascia and our energy. We're not allowed it. So it takes some breaking through. There was all of this required. The learning I've been doing for decades and also that week of going, oh, that makes perfect sense. Let's surrender to that and allow it. Allowing ourselves to be ourselves as we are and knowing that we have every right to be angry. There are things that happened that were not okay. The big things and the so-called little things. And the only question as adults is how we express that anger and what we do with it and what we allow it to show us about the world. And what I chose to do that day was allow it to flow so I could come back to presence. And my presence has never been stronger. And I have seen things happen since then that have just astounded me. And yes, there have been some wobbles, but there is a steadiness which overflows into my work with people and my love for people that I can hold more and more and more and love more and more and more because I loved myself enough to let myself do that and have the faith. And now I can hold that faith for others. So that is what I learned about the journey from trauma to presence. And it's not done. It continues. It continues. But each time we go round, we get a layer. So when we are holding trauma in ourselves, we're holding a part of ourselves hostage. We're holding emotions that we weren't able to feel at the time. And so when we get triggered by things that happen, it's a gift. Because we have the chance to let those emotions out all the way through. And here is a funny byproduct of what happened but to me in Hawaii. I think it illustrates something so important and so little understood about this work. So I come home and I make Christmas dinner about a month later. And I've always been an okay cook. Some things I can do really well. Anyway. I made a tenderloin with crispy Parmesan potatoes and I laid it out on this serving dish and I looked at it and I thought, wow, this looks restaurant quality. And I had followed recipes that were carefully chosen with carefully chosen ingredients and I realized, you know, this is what trauma healing is about. Not that the purpose of it is to make these fancy meals. How wonderful. How grateful am I to be able to do that? It's that naturally, as a result of this very intense work that I just described, 
I'm more present and I can follow the instructions better. And so naturally, without even trying, my cooking is better. And I'm able to pay more loving attention to my work and to my own care and to my relationships with others. And it's natural. I don't have to try harder. I don't have to make resolutions or goals. It happens naturally because that energy that was stored, that was keeping me from being present is released and I'm connected to who I really am. So when we do the work of healing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually from the separations from ourselves that we all have that are structural in our society, we, life becomes much easier. We are living from our own natural sufficiency, the gift that, that life gives us. We don't have to try. And this, this is why I do the work that I do, is to support each of us in living our own life more easily. If this episode of Aliveness resonated with you, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on your podcast app. Reviews make it possible for me to connect with more people just like you who are looking for inspiration and guidance on their journey to create a full, juicy life filled with aliveness. Be sure to subscribe so you get all the juicy episodes to come. And if you have a friend who is deep into their personal growth and healing journey, share this podcast with them too. Now go out and experience the aliveness that's here for you today.